Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In my mobile office in Los Angeles, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And joining us, trying to figure out football banquet details in Nashville, Tennessee, it's the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, guys? It's usually a, a pretty uh, pretty unique deal, uh, trying to figure out the details on how to get the awards and what, what night it's going to be, which is going to be December 1st. And, uh, it, you know, it's a good night for the seniors, good way to, to, to send them out, even though we had a tough year at 110. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's always a good way to send them out. And, and the awards they're getting um, are actually pretty cool. They Instead of giving them trophies or plaques like everybody else does, we get these vinyl signs, these hanging signs that they uh, that they can put up, like on their wall and stuff like that with a picture of them in the description of the award. Awesome. Um, well, we'd be remiss if we didn't introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man who helped coin the term gumshoed up this week. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that Coach mentioned uh, the banquet and some of the coaching stuff because one thing I forgot to mention in our wrap-up show earlier in the week that <clears throat> was interesting was uh, a new coach getting an opportunity and an old coach retiring. So I'll fly through this super quick. Marcus Lattimore, the really good South Carolina running back, got promoted from the B-side coach to the head coach of a really prestigious Columbia, South Carolina high school. That's really exciting for a young man to uh, get a nice promotion in the early part of his coaching career. And uh, Carson Newman, their coach, Ken Sparks, uh, retired after 37 years. He won 338 games. That school was at an NAIA school and is now currently a D2 school, won a bunch of championships there. Uh, that is fifth all-time on NCAA win list, uh, regardless of football division. So uh, one hell of a career there for Coach Ken Sparks. All right. Thank you, Josh. Well, uh, we're going to hop into it uh, really quick today. We've got a lot to cover. Um, so we're just doing one big group quick slam, talking really quick about the uh, college football playoff rankings that were released after the mayhem that ensued from last weekend. If you'll remember, half of the top ten lost uh, over the weekend. Um, our new rankings are out, and we uh, obviously Alabama still number one. Ohio State jumps to number two. Michigan three. Louis, uh, sorry, Clemson four. Louisville five. Washington six. Uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Colorado round out the rest of the top ten. Uh, Josh, do you feel that Michigan is still the third-best team in the country? Well, the way I understand that the committee works is they go with everything you've done up until now. So they didn't take into account the injury to their quarterback. Um, And so I can kind of believe that, but, you know, the Hawks are my team. I've watched them all year. I'm sorry, losing to Iowa, that was the worst loss of the weekend. I would have dropped Michigan a lot more, and I did in my poll. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, with the injury there and, and with them, uh, I think you kind of got a false sense of security with Michigan. I think everybody kind of anointed them prematurely. And they never re- they haven't really been tested except for the Wisconsin game. They did win that game. Um, but Wisconsin, you know, they, they gave them all they could handle um, and made it tough on them. So that's that's one thing you got to kind of look at when you when you look at these things. They've never really been tested except for that one moment. Um, they came out ahead, but you knew it was going to bite them in the butt at some point, especially on the road and in a tough environment. A night game at Kinnick is, uh, no matter how bad Iowa is, it's still a tough place to play. Do both of you guys think that Ohio State really is the second best team in the country? I believe so. I, I, I think they are, but they're faced with uh, unfortunate circumstances with, with them. Uh, you know, they, they – they lost the wrong game, and Penn State got hot at the right time, and they're just kind of in a bad circumstance right now. Um, I think that's going to—I think that should affect their uh, ability to go to the uh, to the playoff. Um, you know, if if all else does, you know, if all else fails, or if if 
Washington ends up winning the conference, if uh, Clemson ends up winning the conference and, and doesn't suffer any more losses, uh, things like that. I, I think Ohio State's got to be one of those teams on the outside looking in. Um, and you got to, you know, to leave your to leave your Big Ten champion out of the playoff and to put in an at-large team from the same division that didn't even represent their division in the championship seems kind of odd to me, even though they are better than Penn State and they would beat them nine times out of ten. They just didn't happen to beat them on that one time, and that's, that's important to me. Yeah, it's going to be a big conundrum for the committee um, going forward. So, But, you know, Michigan can take care of all of that if they beat Ohio State in the horseshoe next weekend. But um, any other final thoughts, Josh, on the rankings this week? Well, mine, uh, one thing that jumped out to me was uh, a lot of people are kind of bashing Louisville and saying, oh, it's good that Clemson was ahead of them because Clemson had the head-to-head win. But I'm not sure that's really doing your due diligence uh, looking at this Louisville team. Uh, first of all, the Sagren rankings has Louisville fourth, Clemson fifth. So – that's something to take into account. Strength of schedule, uh, Louisville is currently 14th by uh, TeamRankings.com, which updates their strength of schedule after each game. So it sort of takes into account Auburn's rise. That boosts Clemson. Uh, so Clemson is higher in their rankings of strength of schedule. Um, but Louisville's strength of schedule is ahead of Michigan's, which is interesting because Michigan, of course, has the same record but a lot higher ranking. And then when you just sort of look at the eye test, you know, Louisville killed Florida State, a team that I think is still top 10 talent-worthy team, went toe-to-toe uh, at Clemson. But the Tigers, let's be honest, they've, they've tiptoed around some teams. They barely beat Florida State. They barely beat NC State. Um, they lost to a Pittsburgh team that hadn't been doing particularly well. And they only beat Troy, my Trojans, by six points. So the eye test, I think, also favors Louisville. So I'm not sure using head-to-head as your only metric is very wise. All right. Well, um, let's move then from uh, upcoming games uh, to the games that are going to be played this week. We're changing it up again a little bit this week. Uh, We're just going to go right into our deep roots here. And we're going to start with a group of five uh, deep root. And there are a couple of huge games this weekend. Um, but there have already been uh, a couple of big games in the MAC this week. And, Josh, I know you had an eye on uh, the Eastern Michigan game the other night. Yeah, that was heartbreak all over at Eastern Michigan. was trying to get their seventh win of the season. This is a team that hasn't had a winning record in, like, 20 years. Uh, they are 6-5 and five now after the loss. They lost in overtime in Northern Illinois, and it was a game that they played an absolutely flawless first half of football. They were up 21 nothing, and, uh, and regrettably blew that lead and then ended up losing it in overtime. Uh, they're the type of team that you like to root for. They've been a program that's been down for so long that you just can't help but feel good for them to win. And uh, I was really pulling for them because Northern Illinois at 3-7 and seven entering the game was pretty mathematically eliminated from being able to do anything. So... Um, I, I was pulling for the Eagles, formerly the Hurons, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, well, Coach, I know there's a couple of big games out in your new adopted conference, uh, the Mountain West, this weekend, and that starts with San Diego State, led by Donnell Pumphrey, heading up to Laramie, Wyoming, um, where the Pokes are coming off of their uh, first conference loss of the season. Who do you like in that matchup, Coach? Well, it's going to be a good matchup, uh, and this would have fit our uh, theme for last year, hashtag year of the running back, um, because you have a, the top two running backs in the country um, are featured in this game. You have, of course, Donnell Pumphrey, um, as everybody knows, but a name that a lot of people probably don't know unless you are a Mac uh, Mountain West fan, I should say. Uh, and uh, that's junior Brian Hill from Wyoming. He's third in the country in rushing. Uh, at 1,417 yards with 16 touchdowns. Um, and that's uh, – he's third behind Donnell Pumphrey um, in the country who has 1,779 yards, um, and he is 347 yards away from breaking the all-time NCAA rushing record held by Ron Dane. Um, so it's uh, – you know, Donnell Pumphrey sits at one, Brian Hill sits at, at, at three, so this game is going to be uh, – a feature of the run game. And it's probably going to go by pretty quickly. Um, I like San Diego State to win this game. I think Wyoming is just kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. Uh, San Diego State, defensively, they are just stingy, stingy, stingy. 
Um, they lead the country with 19 interceptions. They rank seventh nationally in scoring 15.2 points per game. So anytime you have a top 10 defense, um, I, it, it, you know, it bodes well for you and it's going to be tough sledding for Wyoming. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to falter here um, to San Diego state. San Diego state's just too strong. Um, yeah, well, sticking out in that league, Coach, uh, the one other really big game in the Mountain West this weekend has uh, New Mexico, who's having a very nice season quietly. Um, they're playing our favorite Bobos. Uh, do you think that um, the Rams will be able to hold on for a victory at home? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have a really good shot. I mean, for, for you know, they've, they've had their struggles. Uh, they're 5-5 five and five right now. They just can't seem to find a groove. They can't seem to get in rhythm. But, you know, when they are on, they're on. When they're off, they're off. They're, they're kind of there's, – there's not really any in-between with, uh, with the Fighting Bobos. But, you know, you, they're led by quarterback Nick Stevens. Um, he, he was 22-29 for 374 yards and two touchdowns, added an interception last week against Air Force. He spreads the ball around Michael Gallup. Robert Ruiz were the, were the two biggest beneficiaries um, – Dalen Dawkins on the ground. He had 102 yards rushing and two touchdowns on 14 carries. So, you know, you, you know that they can score. You know that they can move the ball and, and chew up some yardage, chew up some time. And you know that's kind of what Bo, what Mike Bobo's specialty is. Um, but, you know, it just can't seem to, to do it all in the right time. A lot of it seems to be empty yardage and empty possessions. And, and they can't seem to – sometimes they just can't seem to get in a rhythm and finish. But when, when you look at New Mexico, defensively they ranked 40. 41th in the country in total defense, allowing 374 yards per game. Colorado State checks in at number 67 defensively. So you got the New Mexico's got the edge there. Uh, special teams, you know, hashtag year of the third phase, hashtag third phase, most important phase. Um, Jason Sanders has hit all 47 of his extra point attempts. He's 10 of 11 on field goals. He's accounted for 77 points for the Lobos. Uh, a very interesting stat, a very important stat because your kicker can be a weapon. Um, and it could be a weapon not only in field goals and extra points. He can also be uh, a weapon on kickoffs, basically uh, making your, making the other team, making the opponent drive 80 yards every single time. That gets kind of tough. Um, but if you're looking offensively, I think Colorado State has the advantage here uh, with all the weapons uh, that they have on the offensive side of the ball. So um, what am I saying? I'm saying special teams and defense is going to win this game. Whoever has the edge in those two phases of the game is going is going to have the edge in this uh, in this matchup, and I think that's going to be New Mexico. I think they, I think they continue to, uh, I think they continue their their pretty nice season here. I think Colorado State is, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a game. I, I think New Mexico is going to win twenty eight twenty something like that, kind of within a, within a one score deal. All right. Uh, well, All well right. I tell you, well, I tell you what's making Bob Davy excited, and I think Coach uh, sort of touched on it, but the defense for Colorado State, he did give the overall number, but. I looked it up real quick. They're 96th against the rush, and the Lobos boast the number one rushing attack in the country, 347.8 yards per game. Tyrone Owens has over 900 yards. Terrian Gibson has over 900 yards. Uh, quarterback Lamar Jordan has 450 yards. Uh, this is a team that can keep running and I looked at Richard McQuarley he has 445 yards they come at you from every which way it's pretty special to watch this Lobo running attack yeah I, th I think that uh, the Lobos are just a, a little bit more of, of, of a fully formed team at this point than uh, our beloved Rams uh, last group of five game though that we want to talk Josh uh, we're going to head down to the belt where your darling Troy takes on a still undefeated in conference Arkansas State team uh, that uh, you know definitely has the ability to pull up the upset uh, this weekend against uh, against the Trojans yeah this is uh, pretty much a de facto title game um, so if Troy wins it, Troy's already beaten Appalachian State, the other solid, solid team from the conference. So you would have to imagine Troy would be able to, to run the table. For Arkansas State, uh, if they win it, they don't have to face Arkansas. Or Arkansas State doesn't have to face Appalachian State. So you would assume Arkansas State would also run the table. Uh, what's interesting about this game is they really – come at you in a very, very different way. Um, Troy 
I talked about with Appalachian State, Troy's the second best defense in the league. Uh, they have some timely offense, um, and they are 19th at scoring overall for the entire country, but they try and stay really balanced. They're 30th in the past, 42nd in, in rushing. So they try and be balanced. They play some really good defense. And then Arkansas State, they have that DNA from way back when they had Gus Malzahn and stuff. They try and score a lot, and they've been scoring a ton in conference. So for me to give their overall numbers really doesn't do it justice because they didn't win a non-conference game. They got blown out by, like, Auburn and stuff. So it's not really fair. But in conference, the last three weeks, 51-31-41, they can score in bunches. So that Troy defense is really going to be tested. Um, but the Troy defense acquitted itself pretty well in Clemson. I, I like that the game is in Troy. I think that benefits the Trojans. I think their magical season keeps going because – None of us saw this coming. I think they're playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, I think they they stunned the Red Wolves, who I've said it before, they haven't lost a conference game since 2014. They've gone about two calendar years now. Oh, wow. That is, that is a very, very impressive resume uh, down there for Arkansas State. Well, we got to keep moving along and tackle uh, the Power Five conferences. And we're going to start this week again in the Big 12. Uh, a couple of big games, Kansas State taking on Baylor. Oklahoma t- heading to Morgantown in the biggest game of the week, uh, while the Pokes uh, travel to Cowtown uh, to take on TCU. I'm um, going to start with you, Coach. Who you got in the big one, Oklahoma or West Virginia? Well, um, you know, this is, a, this is a tough one to pick um, because Mountaineers have an uh, eight-game home winning streak right now. Um, Skylar Howard, he's completing passes at a 64% uh, completion rate. Uh, he's got 17 touchdowns. Um, he has he has uh, another six on the ground. Um, he has targets of Dekeel Shorts, um, who has 51 catches, um, and Shelton Gibson, who averages about 35 or he averages about 20 yards, and uh, he only has 35 receptions, so he's getting a lot out of it. Um, you know, there's a lot of weapons on this West Virginia team. Dana Holgerson is having a season um, that's kind of saving his hide a little bit. I know we came in, we were kind of tough on him. Uh, things like that. I say all of that because I think it's going to be competitive. Um, I think that West Virginia is going to put up a huge fight because that's what they do at home. Um, they want to give their fans an opportunity to burn some couches. Uh, but Oklahoma just comes in right now. They are they're absolutely red hot. They've won eight in a row. Um, they're up to number nine in the in the college football polls now. Um, Baker Mayfield is is kind of turned some things around for him. D.D. Westbrook. Um, has got 68 catches for 1,254 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, he leads every category in the Big 12. Um, Mayfield is completing 72% of his passes. He, that gets him second in the country. He has 33, 33 touchdowns against seven interceptions, so that's got to be a pretty good uh, touchdown-to-interception uh, ratio. Um, their defense is what, what – what, uh, their defense is just what concerns me a little bit. Um, they've given up a lot of points, um, and they they've shown at times that they are completely completely lost um, on the defensive side of the ball, and it just doesn't seem like that they have any answers. But you know, as, as the way they're playing right now, you know, I think they can be very opportunistic. I think they can be take advantage of what the offense is going to give them. The offense is going to give them some cushion here. The offense hopefully can control the ball, score, do all the things they need to do. Uh, um, to, to, uh, to help their defense out. So I, I like Oklahoma in this one. I like it in a tight game. Um, it's going to be another, uh, you know, 35-31 type game uh, with the Sooners. Uh, Josh, I know you've been impressed by uh, West Virginia's balance all year. You still think they're underranked. Yeah. They, uh, you know, you talk about being balanced. 25th pass attack, 31st rushing attack. They average over 211 yards in both metrics. They have the 48th best score in attack, and they have an underrated defense. They're 19th in the country in defense, and Oklahoma has the 119th pass defense. So we know they're going to get shredded through the air, but they are 30th in rush defense. But I think that's being generous because you look at who they've played in the Big 12 – they haven't faced anyone who can run the ball as well as West Virginia since way back when they played Ohio State. And we know how that game ended. 
They also have the 81st-ranked scoring defense. The Sooners do. They're giving up almost 31 points per game. But that is actually a little unfair because they're getting a boost by holding ULM to 17 points. They're terrible. Holding offensively challenged Kansas State to 17 points and holding god-awful Kansas to three points. You know, they were shredded by Houston, shredded by Ohio State, gave up a ton of points in a win to TCU, gave up a ton of points in a win to Texas, gave up a million points in a win to Texas Tech, and allowed terrible Iowa State to score 24 points, and allowed free-falling, can't-get-out-of-their-own-way Baylor to score 24 points. I've got the Mountaineers winning this because when I look at Oklahoma – They haven't played a true road game other than TCU and Texas Tech, but both of those schools are still in Sooner Nation. I watched them on tape. There was plenty of Oklahoma fans in the crowd. There's going to be no one who makes that trip out to Morgantown. That is a tough trip to make. West Virginia has a true home field advantage in the Big 12. I got the West Virginia Mountaineers finally not just getting over the hump this year, but really in their entire time in the Big 12, finally knocking off one of these marquee blue blood Big 12 teams. They're going to do it. They're going to beat Iowa State. They're going to beat Baylor. They're going to win out. I don't know if they'll have enough legs to get to the college football playoffs, but the Mountaineers are the most balanced team in terms of their offensive splits, and they're the only team in the Big 12 other than Kansas State who has any lick of defense. Yeah, Josh, you basically stole my notes from me. I, my, my notes just say uh, uh, West Virginia defense plus Oklahoma State, Oklahoma on the road equals Sooner loss. And that, that's what it comes down to. Sooners are a completely different team away from home. West Virginia has far and away the best defense in the conference. They held Texas Tech to 20 points in Lubbock. No one else is doing that. Um, I've got West Virginia by – uh, 10 to 13 in this game. So um, we need to continue moving on. You know, we had a couple smaller games in the conference this weekend, but we should keep it moving on to the Big Ten, which really does not have a great slate of games this weekend. Um, Ohio State is at free-falling Michigan State. Northwestern is at Minnesota and probably in what may be the most competitive game of the week. Indiana takes on Michigan. Um, but, Josh, this weekend, like I said, has the makings of a lot of blowouts across the conference. What game is going to be the most competitive? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough. And I, you're not allowed to say Iowa, Illinois. <laughs> um, well, I think Michigan State showed last week that they are still a talented team. They, you know, they would love – this is their bowl game. This really is their bowl game to, to ruin Ohio State's season. They get to ruin Penn State's season at the end of the year potentially. So – that game, I give maybe about a 15% chance of being competitive. Uh, you said I can't say Iowa, so I'll ignore that. Uh, Maryland, the health of Perry Hills, we don't know what it is without him. The Turks don't have any chance, so I'll ignore that. Purdue, sick of fork at them, they're done, I'll skip that. Uh, you mentioned the Minnesota-Northwestern game. That's very, very intriguing, but I highly doubt our listeners want to hear me talk about that. Rutgers is awful, so by process of elimination, that leaves our plucky Indiana team, yet again, going to Michigan. It'll be John O'Korn's first start in a long time since he transferred from Houston. Indiana's defense is playing really, really well. They lost to Penn State a week ago by 14 in a game in which they had five turnovers. If Indiana holds onto the ball, they can tango with anyone. Hell, they turned over five times and nearly beat a top-ten team. So maybe they don't even need to have ball security in order to be competitive with anyone. This Hoosier team is dangerous. Michigan reeling a touch, new quarterback. Um, it, it's, it's potentially going to be the biggest upset of the season if the Hoosiers go into the big house, a place that I haven't looked it up. But knowing Indiana, they probably haven't won there since, like, the 70s or 80s. So I will, so I will say that that game has about a 30% chance of being competitive so I'll go with the uh, the Indiana game and the Michigan State game as two teams that can be a little frisky. All right. Uh, Coach, are there any games on the Big Ten that interest you this weekend? Yeah. Um, well, since uh, since you didn't allow Josh to talk about it, I'll talk about it. Um, it's the Iowa-Illinois game. 
Well, we're going to be, uh, we, we've got that as one of our spread formations. So we'll save that for a little bit later. Oh, okay. Uh, well, then, the, uh, uh, let me, let me talk about, uh, since you guys didn't want to talk about this, um, probably y'all's two most hated teams playing against each other. Um, I'll give them some love. Northwestern at Minnesota. Uh, it's a game that's intriguing because I think this could be a possible bowl matchup for uh, for the dogs, especially with Minnesota. Um, they're projecting Georgia to be in the Music City Bowl against Minnesota. So um, I might pay a little extra attention to this one. Um, may not watch the whole thing, but um, – it's definitely intriguing. Minnesota's sitting there at seven and three, uh, having a pretty nice season secretly. Uh, Rodney Smith has scored for the fifth straight game and needs three more touchdowns to catch Marion Barber at 17 in second place for most rushing touchdowns in a single season for the Gophers. Um, they have 13 seniors they're going to honor. They have Mitch Leidner, Drew Wolarski, Demar- Demarius Thomas, and then Mitch, Mitch Leidner, though, is still one of the most overrated quarterbacks in the Big Ten. But to tell you who's not, though, Coach. Clayton Thorson um, on Northwestern has uh, quietly been having a pretty solid year, hasn't he? Yeah, he's thrown for a career-high 352 yards and accounted for all four touchdowns um, as they racked up 600 yards against Purdue. Um, and and that's kind of just how he's been all year. Um, Thorson has also thrown at least one touchdown pass in eight straight games. So uh, he's got a little streak of his own there. Um, Austin Carr, he was named uh, to the Bolitnikoff Award semifinalist list. Uh, he's one of ten. He uh, he uh, caught five passes for 92 and two touchdowns. Um, he has he's tied the record for uh, program record for most touchdown receptions in a single season at 12. So uh, quite a few uh, record breakers and and people that are vying for record-breaking stats in this game, which is uh, one of the things that intrigued me. Um, yeah, Austin Carr is definitely one of the great stories this year. He's a former walk-on, and he's been he's been the best receiver in the Big Ten this year by sort of head and shoulders over the rest, especially in terms of counting stats. Well, I'm going um, to give Carr another bit of love, too, and why I would give him the bullet in a cough is I feel like a lot of receivers get to have a tandem, so you can't just key on one guy. Carr doesn't have that luxury. 75 receptions. The very next guy, Flynn Nagel, 28. He has over 1,000 yards. Carr does. Nagel, just barely over 300. It's not a surprise. 12 touchdowns for Carr. Next best player just has three. So defenses know where it's going, and they still can't stop them. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there, there's no guesswork when it comes to guarding against, uh, especially third and long situations against Northwestern. But uh, let's keep it moving then, because uh, Big Ten, not a whole lot of great games. SEC, not a lot of great games either this weekend, except for the one big one when Florida heads to Baton Rouge in the makeup game uh, out of Hurricane Matthew. But, uh, Coach, I've got a question uh, for you, and that's, you know, this weekend in November recently has always seemed like there's always been a lot of schools in the SEC playing FCS or really weak group of five teams. Um, a, do you know what the reasoning behind this is? And B, how do you feel about this kind of scheduling so late in the season? Well, it's, it's kind of a scheduling break uh, for the gauntlet um, of October that a lot of these schools go through. Um, and a lot of schools don't have open weeks. Uh, so they, uh, they, try to, uh, they try to schedule in a uh, FCS opponent to kind of give their guys a break. Um, is, is really what uh, the, the gist of it is. Um, otherwise, they would just uh, front load them at the beginning of the year, like kind of like the Big Ten does or used to do. So um, it's uh, – I mean, as a fan, no, I don't like it because there's not a whole lot of games that you can sit down and watch. Like Alabama, uh, Chattanooga, that's, you know, really um, – Chattanooga's a nice team, but they are. But I mean, they're going to get slaughtered this weekend. Alabama and M taking on Auburn. Uh, you know, Texas A and M taking on San Antonio. Uh, Georgia taking on Louisiana Lafayette. Um, I would like it more. I would like it more if these schools would schedule SCS schools in their home state, kind of like what A and M's doing with San Antonio. Uh, kind of help out the uh, the in-state lower programs. Um, as, as money games, I don't have a problem with that. Kind of what uh, South Carolina is doing with Western Carolina, uh, Alabama, and Chattanooga. They're they're close. They're not in the same state, obviously, but they're they're pretty close. Same with uh, Kentucky and Austin P. Um, and uh, Alabama and 
A&M and, and Auburn kind of in the same state there as well. So you'd like to see them, if they're going to schedule these, support your in-state schools at least, and it's more bearable and, and it makes more sense. But um, otherwise, I, I don't like it, um, but I see the benefit for it, um, you know, to get your team healthy and to get, you know, some things worked out before you uh, – before you get into your rivalry weekend. So uh, I, I kind of see the benefits, but as a fan, I don't like it at all. Uh, Josh, do you have any thoughts on uh, this, the scheduling practice? Well, I mean, all the schools, for the most part, play an FCS team. I, I don't get the difference between playing at week one versus week 11. Um, I, I mean, it's annoying as a fan. You're getting so excited for these play playoff races and conference championship races to have kind of a, a soft week. But I, I, like I said, I don't quite get the difference between playing at week one versus week 11, but uh, there is still some, some intriguing games. You mentioned the big one on Baton Rouge. Well, yeah, let's talk about that, that one. Well, uh, I was going to say, was I was gonna say a little, little sleeper one, a little quiet. Mississippi well, what, what the they were supposed yeah. to be scheduled against an FCS opponent. So yeah. we kind of got a, a kind of a, Hurricane Matthew left us at least one gift uh, <laughs> on such a slow weekend. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. I mean, you look at these two teams. I was listening to Mike and Mike this morning. Uh, why, I don't know. But, um, you know, you look at Florida, you look at LSU. The, the matchup that I'm most intrigued about is actually the uh, in the trenches. You have Florida with such a young, fast uh, defensive line. That's going to be uh, that's going to be without uh, Alex Anzalone, and then uh, they're also going to be without Jared Davis in that front seven. But I'm looking at the defensive line matchup versus LSU's offensive line. LSU, you look at their offensive line. I think they average, uh, I think they average about 320, 330 pounds uh, across the board. Uh, and they're all huge and bulky and, and things like that. So you got to kind of and yet, coach, they're still all smaller than Coach O. They're still all smaller than Coach O. But, you know, I, I, I think that if LSU's offensive line can handle Florida's defensive line, I, I think Florida's going to have to get kind of tricky with it. And if, and if Florida is trying to get tricky and cute, um, it's not going to bode well for them because what they do is they get pressure with that front four and drop everybody, drop everybody back into coverage. That's why they're so good defensively because they can do so much with their front four. They they can use the other guys to run free and pass coverage or, or whatever they need to do. Um, if they have to get their linebackers involved and in, in getting pressure on the quarterback, it's going to it's going to open up some uh, some windows for uh, for LSU and it's going to favor LSU. I like LSU a lot in this game. I think they are playing. Uh, I think they're one of the hotter teams in the country right now. Um, they're kind of the same way of uh, Oklahoma. They're just playing at a really high level. Fournette is tied for third in school history um, with 19 games of at least 100 yards rushing. Uh, he needs only one to tie Charles Alexander for second. Um, the Tigers have won the past three, um, and the Gators last one in Baton Rouge in 2009. Um, and then they've lost the last three there. So, um, Appleby and Etling, um, here's a fun fact. They were once on the same team at Purdue before they both transferred. So that's going to be a, that, that's going to be a lot of fun this weekend with those two uh, facing off against each other and both playing actually in the game that matters, unlike when they played at Purdue. Uh, Josh, you see any reason that Florida will be able to break their a uh, bit of a free fall here against LSU? I I don't, and the the problem is that. Florida has been a turnover machine at the quarterback position. Del Rio, eight interceptions and limited action. Appleby, two interceptions. Um, but you saw it against Tennessee. They got that big lead with Appleby, and then they just tried to sit on it in the second half. They took the foot off the gas, and the reason is they don't fully trust Austin Appleby because he also has been a turnover machine for his entire career. 2014, 10 TDs to 11 picks. 2015, 8 TDs to 5 picks. If they need to rely on him to pass the ball, I guarantee you that athletic defense for LSU is going to have a field day and get some interceptions. Florida doesn't have the quarterback play to win this game. I think, you know, if, if LSU beats Florida, they go ahead and they beat, um, you know, and they win out the rest of the games on the season, you know, I think that's got to, the administration might have to give the job to Orgeron. Um, Agreed. And 
You know what? I don't mind it. I really don't mind it. I think they're they're oddly a match made in heaven because they're both so crazy. Um, so and um, so yeah. Uh, you were telling you're going to say something, Josh? Yeah, uh, I agreed on your Coach O point, but I wanted to give a shout out to some other decent SEC games. I mean, Mississippi State they're four and six hosting Arkansas. They have a chance to get to a bowl game if they can beat an up and down Hogs team and then beat their arch rival Ole Miss. Ole Miss, they're five and five. They're taking on Vanderbilt. Same situation for the Doors. They're four and six, but that defense makes them dangerous. Ole Miss trying to avoid a calamity here at the end of a season that showed promise early. And then the uh, that Texas San Antonio game. I'm oddly intrigued by it because San Antonio, they're five and five, but they've played a lot better as of late. And and their only other sample against a Power 5 team was Arizona State. And they had this, they had Sparky on the ropes for all game, and it only lost by five. I'm curious if the Roadrunners are going to have the, you know, the incentive to beat their big brother. A&M stepping out of conference, who knows what they really care about playing this team, especially now that they're eliminated from the playoffs. It's only maybe yeah. it's maybe only a one or two percent chance, but I love UTSA. Uh, the UTSA spread in uh, on this game, I would be I'm bet I would be betting big on UTSA. Quite frankly, I think that uh, you know this uh, this Texas A&M team is starting to spiral. Uh, but the, uh, you mentioned that Ole Miss Vandy game, Josh, uh, Coach. The matchup I might be looking forward to, at least player on player this weekend, um, is going to be Zach Cunningham for Vandy covering Evan Ingram, the great tight end for Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it's intriguing because we've never really seen what you know Zach Cunningham can do in coverage. We've kind of seen we we actually know exactly what he can do against the run um, as a Mike linebacker, but. You know, I, I, I'm intrigued by it. I, I think it's a good matchup here. Um, and Vanderbilt, no matter how bad they are, no matter how good Ole Miss is, they always play them tough. Um, they always, they're always a tough out, even uh, even as bad as Vandy's been in years past. Um, there's been years where they've slipped up and beat Ole Miss. Um, so Patterson, you know, came out, was a stud last week. Um, you know, he is uh, – you know, he's kind of given them some hope, um, you know, where things were looking bleak when when, uh, when Chad Kelly went out. So, um, you know, he has DeMaurier's string fellow as well um, that he can throw to. So we'll, we'll kind of see how they lock him down as well. Um, yeah, you know, we, we, we knew Cat Patterson was going to be the goods. He was the number one quarterback prospect in high school last year. Uh, he, he's, got a, he's got a beast of an arm. And yeah. he, you know, he, he looked like he'd, you know, been playing with those guys for years. So I was very impressed with him as well last week. Um, but we need to we'll keep see, moving. We'll see, hey, we'll, we'll see how Ralph Webb can, uh, can do against this, uh, this stingy Ole Miss defense as well. All right, well, let's keep it rolling uh, to the Pac-12. Uh, the game we thought was going to be the biggest one this week, at least before the season, was definitely the USC at UCLA game battle for Los Angeles. With UCLA being so beat up and uh, USC looking pretty strong, that should be a blowout. But the big game is going to be in Boulder. All eyes in the conference are there. Where the lone undefeated in conference play, Washington State takes on number 10, Colorado. Two of the legal motion's favorite coaching minds are facing off. Mike Leach, the pirate on offense. Jim Levitt, the defensive mastermind of Colorado. Uh, Josh, who's going to have the upper hand this weekend? Well, you know I love defense. We always say that defense wins championships. And if I had my choice between a smash-mouth defensive team versus a spread-em-out Oregon-type team, I'm usually going to take the defense. So I'm probably going to be rooting more for the buffs as much as I love the pirate. But the, um, the thing with Colorado is it is at home, so they get a the little bit of an altitude advantage. Um, but I'm kind of looking at the schedule, and Colorado recently had to play Stanford. That was a tough game. They played USC recently. That, that was a loss for them. Another tough, talented team. Uh, Washington State has really hobbled this win streak together by playing a bunch of nobodies outside of Stanford six games ago. So they've played UCLA, Arizona State, Oregon State, Arizona Cal. They are super hot against, let's be honest, a bunch of nobodies. Sometimes it's hard to get up for a team that's going to hit you as hard as Colorado does. 
And that is part of the explanation on why Michigan struggled with Iowa. I'm curious if Wazoo can, can handle such a physical punch. And as much as I love the Colorado defense, I would be an absolute fool not to give a shout-out to what has turned Pirates season around and, and made this his best Washington State team, and that is have a pulse on defense. They're 43rd in the country at 24.3 points against, um, but they are they're very reminiscent of Indiana, where we've said if they get a sniff of defense, they could take off and rack up a lot of wins. And for most teams, 43rd is okay, not great. But when you pair it with Washington State's offense, that is a deadly combination, and that is about as balanced as a high-octane team like the Pirate likes to run can have. So I'm very intrigued by it. I'm going to give the slight edge to Colorado, though, just because they've had some more recent battles for the home team. That altitude is difficult, but I'm expecting fireworks. This is a game that I'm very, very excited for. Coach, you on board with Josh? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, it, this is probably one of the toughest games I've had to kind of pick um, as far as who I want and who I think. Um, I think I'm going to give, you know, I think I'm going to give the slight edge. Uh, I, I think what I want to happen is, is for Washington State to win this one and make the Apple Cup uh, the uh, the game of uh, the battle for the playoff spot, essentially. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Colorado State comes in with the – or Colorado State. Uh, I'm still – my mind's still in the Mountain West here. Uh, Colorado comes in with a lot of the advantages here. They're, they're more they're more stellar defensive team. Uh, they've got the home field advantage. They've got the altitude advantage. They've got a lot of things going in their favor. And when they're a good, talented team, they're a tough, they're a tough team to play when they're at home. Um, so, you know, it, and, and Josh said it best there with defense. Defense wins championships. You know, you look at these SEC teams. You look at the ones that are performing well week in and week out. And, and part, of, part of the reason why Josh just picked um, Georgia as his second best team in the conference right now is because of defense. The same reason Alabama is doing what they do. They score a lot of points, but – Defense is still still rules the roost there at Alabama. LSU, stellar defense. Florida, stellar defense. Texas A&M, not so stellar defense. Uh, Ole Miss, not so stellar defense at times. They've played uh, in their wins, they've played stellar defense, but in, in their losses, they've played their defense has been downright pitiful. Vanderbilt, top thirty defense. Um, you know, I'm just giving some SEC examples. Colorado, you know, they they lead the conference in scoring defense at 17.9 points per. Uh, per game they lead the conference in total defense they lead it in passing defense um you know you have jimmy Jimmy gilbert nine sacks 11 tackles for loss you know you have uh and he he's your outside linebacker so you know defense is going to rule the roost here and i think colorado is going to come out and get this one uh from washington state they're going to steal one all right well uh if if you're going to take Colorado, i'm going to be the contrarian and take my boys from the Palouse and Wazoo to, uh, to to break that defense and put up some big numbers with Luke Falk um, and the rest of that big receiving core. Uh, we're going to go to the ACC now. Um, uh, there's a, a couple good games. Uh, the biggest is actually a non-conference game with Louisville heading to Houston. Um, but last week, conference leaders UNC, Clemson, and Virginia Tech all lost. Josh, which of those three is the most likely to lose again this weekend? Well... Clemson does have to travel to Wake. Wake has a really good defense. We know that. That's tricky. I'll, I'll give that maybe about a 10% chance, an upset. Uh, Virginia Tech travels to Notre Dame. Notre Dame is 4-6. and six, but they, they have the ability to score in bunches, and it's never easy to win in South Bend, and Virginia Tech's been very up and down this year. I'll give that a probably a pretty sizable 45% chance at, at uh, upset. The line is even, so Vegas says it's going to be a toss-up. Uh, and then you have you know, Florida State. You didn't ask about this, but Florida State does play that pesky Syracuse team. But I believe it or not, I'm going to go North Carolina. I don't know where their head is at right now. They just lost that crazy Duke game where they dominated the first quarter and then were basically like, oh, cool, we got it. And then didn't, didn't do anything the rest of the game. The Citadel is 10 0. The Bulldogs have already won their conference. They know that they are going to have a really good seed in the tournament. They know that they are a threat to win a national title. But what makes FCS teams 
really memorable. It's when they have that upset. It's why we remember Appalachian State, Michigan. It's why North Dakota State is so dangerous. It's not just the five national titles. It's the fact that they've beaten something crazy like six FBS teams in the last six years. The Citadel doesn't have that yet. This is a huge opportunity for the key debts. They're going to be hungry. I don't know the headspace of the Tar Heels. I'm not going to give it as high as the Notre Dame game. I'm going to only say it's like a 10% chance. But I'm really, really curious if the Tar Heels come out flat. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, especially now that their division hopes are pretty much put. Coach, can we expect Houston and Tom Herman to pull out all the stops uh, this weekend against Louisville? Yes, absolutely. I, I think I think you can. Uh, it's going to be a friggin' battle. Uh, I guarantee you that. Um, Houston has had not had the season that that they that they were hoping for, but they've had you know some injury concerns and things like that. Um, but Greg Ward Jr. is going to showcase his best for tonight. Um, you know, Ed Oliver also is going to wreak havoc as well, um, and he's just a freshman. Uh, we talked about defense, 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 defense. This is going to become a defensive show, I guess, um, today at least. So, um, you know, I, I think they're going to – yeah, I think they're going to absolutely pull all, all stops. He, you know, Greg Ward Jr. joined Case Keenum, um, and Kelvin Cobb is the only players in school history to amass 10,000 yards of total offense. Um, he's moved into second place tie with Kevin Cobb for most wins by a Cougar quarterback as well. So Greg Ward Jr. kind of going uh, for uh, for some records here. Um, he would love to get win number 27 uh, tonight to break that tie. So uh, the spread option is going to be in full effect tonight. You're going to see – uh, you're going to see a showcase of two great quarterbacks uh, with Lamar Jackson and Greg Ward Jr. Yeah, that that we can see some really explosive highlights in that one. Okay, well, we have to finish up here. Uh, we have got to get to some meetings and other things. So we're going to hit our spread formations like we do at the end of every weekend preview. Uh, we're going to start in the Big Ten, that aforementioned Iowa at Illinois game. Iowa, nine-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Josh, uh, your Hawks going to cover? I think they will, and the reason is Illinois has that win against Rutgers and Michigan State, which makes them look better than they are, but they've actually been really, really stinky, especially as of late. They lost 41-8 to to Michigan, 40-17 to to Minnesota, 48-3 a week ago to Wisconsin. They lost to Purdue earlier on the year. Uh, they lost by 15 and Lincoln earlier in the year. They got absolutely manhandled by Western Michigan in a 24-point loss. The, the Michigan State game put a lot of lipstick on the pig of a season that the Illini are going to have. Iowa is feeling really good about themselves. I think they found something, especially the defense, the way they, they play with a lot of heart on that side of the ball. Iowa gets it done in Champaign-Urbana. The other thing that uh, Iowa found, C.J. Beathard's helmet that a fan stole after they stormed the field. They finally got it back a couple days later. Yeah, why Um, why does a big-time program evidently only have one game helmet for each player? I I have no idea. Coach, uh, Hawks or Illini? I like the Hawks. All right. Uh, Next, we're going to head out to the Pac-12, where uh, the free-falling Oregon Ducks head to Salt Lake City and the altitude to take on the Utes of Utah, 14.5-point favorites at home. Uh, Josh, who do you like? Well, you got the altitude. You got a team that has a bruising running attack. You have a team that plays pretty good defense. Not quite the usual Utah Ute defense that we expect, but they are way more physical than Oregon. Oregon's having a lost season. I will take the Utes to cover at over two touchdown spread. All right, coach. You know, I, I like the, uh, I like the Utes here. Um, you know, Oregon just – they can't stop a nosebleed right now. Utah is a still a good team, even though they're not – even though they're kind of not in the playoff race or even in the uh, conference race. I still think they're a tough team, especially at home, so I think they cover. All right. Um, uh, I, am, I like Utah as well here. Let's head to my beloved American Conference. Tulsa, the Golden Hurricane, two-point favorites on the road at UCF, who are already bull eligible. Uh, congratulations, Scott Frost and that staff after taking – that team that was 0-12 last year, they've already got six wins. But still, underdogs at home, Josh, uh, who are you going with here? Well, Scott Frost worked wonders offensively at Oregon, and we sort of thought UCF would be an offensive juggernaut, but 
he's been a pretty wise head coach and realizing that defense is important. In the 20th best defense in the country, I don't think people realize that. The one problem with the Knights is they haven't quite gotten over the hump this year against top-end teams. Uh, they didn't beat a power conference team this year. They lost to Temple. They lost to Houston. Believe it or not, I think Tulsa is one of those top-end American conference teams. They have an incredible offense. They can score at will. And Tulsa gave Houston everything they could handle. Tulsa gave Navy everything they could handle. Tulsa creamed Memphis. I really like this Golden Hurricane team. I think they get it done on the road. And by winning by a touchdown or more, they will cover that meager spread. All right, Coach. Well, um, every everything that you guys just said, uh, I like the Golden Hurricanes here. Um, I think they're just – I think they're strong. All right, I'm actually going to take uh, – UCF at home. I still don't trust Tulsa's defense 100. Think, think I think uh, UCF gets the win at home. Uh, let's head back to the ACC. Uh, the the two teams coming off of big upsets last week. The Dukies uh, head to Pittsburgh. Uh, the Panthers seven and a half point favorites at home. Josh, I assume you like your pit. I do like Pitt. Uh, Duke is a team that has had a million injuries plus one, and they had their kind of last gasp, save the season beat our rival, throw a monkey wrench into their season. They got that done, but they are one in five in conference for a reason. They're four and six overall for a reason. Pittsburgh has been knocking on the door, even in their losses. They barely lost to Virginia Tech, barely lost to North Carolina, barely lost to Oklahoma State. This is a team that's way better than their six and four record indicates. I think it wins out because they have Duke and Syracuse next. So I'll take the Panthers to, to cover that seven and a half point spread in the field. Coach, I like Pitt. I mean, I like, you know, I, I like Pitt too. Um, I think I think that's the way to go on this line. Uh, we got to wrap it up here, but it's time, Josh. You've been predicting it for more than a month now. Texas, twenty four point favorites on the road at Kansas. Uh, they're going to get track tripped, aren't they? Yeah. Have you ever seen a cow run on the track? Give me a break. Longhorns can't handle the track. Kansas is going to win this game. Therefore, they cover that 24-point spread. Jayhawks have been game planning all year for this game. They are so excited. I had Coach David Beatty text me, and he said, we got this, with a smiley face emoji. Coach David Beatty, a big on the emoji game. I'm really excited for the Jayhawks. They win this game, no question about it. Coach, Woo. Josh, yeah, stop that, man. Uh, that that was uh, that was the uh, Ed Orgeron woo there. Um, yeah, I I uh, I like your enthusiasm. But, uh, <laughs> misplaced enthusiasm. Misplaced enthusiasm, but I like Texas by thirty. <laughs> all right, uh, Josh, you know I'll back you on anything. So uh, I'm going with Kansas as well. Uh, that's going to do it for us today here on Illegal Motion. So on behalf of Coach Corey Burton in Nashville, on behalf of our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook in Chicago, this is the professor from Los Angeles saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Shout out to Kalamazoo. Game day. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.